Well, it is good to be with you. I have missed you. I've been gone for the last several months. Um, this spring, transitioning out of Grow Ministry and then on sabbatical for several months that took me to the mountains of Colorado and some very cool experiences there at a Benedictine retreat center, which was not quite like that, but a little. Uh, and then the last month, we have been preparing to launch the new site that's coming uh, in the beginning of 2018. But in all of that, I've not been here. And I've missed you. It's good to be with you. It's good to worship, to hear your voices, and to be together. We are on now the fifth week of really in a historical journey as we reflect on the 500th year of the Reformation and all that that has meant and, and the passion of those reformers, those leaders who felt the church had maybe drifted from its own center, that maybe had forgotten some of the main and core things. And so the solas represented five phrases or slogans that were the core of what they felt Jesus taught and what the early church taught. And I think it's a pretty good list. And, and we have um, uh, a, a good friend of Christ Church who has a lot of history here himself, Art Bamford, who has preached here, but is also the grandson of our founding pastor, has graciously given us a recap. If you have not been here for every week of the solas, take a look. Sola Scriptura means through Scripture or by Scripture alone. And there's one theologian who talked about Scripture as being like a set of eyeglasses, that the more you study it, it transforms the way that you see the world and experience reality. And I think Sola Scriptura is a great reminder of that. But it also makes me think about the, the end of John's Gospel. There's a line where he says, if I wrote down all the great things that Jesus has done, the whole world would be full of books. So it's a great reminder that this is a story that's still going on. Sola gratia means by grace alone. And at the time of the Reformation, the church had all of these sort of barriers to accessing salvation. Um, so you would have to go visit a relic or buy an indulgence. And Martin Luther, the more he studied scripture, the more he realized that that's not how it's supposed to be. God loves us whether we like it or not. And it's not something that we have to buy or, or earn in some way. And so it's through that love and by God's grace that we achieve salvation. Sola fides means by faith alone. And I think Martin Luther really embodied this one. Um, it's amazing to think that he was this, you know, relatively obscure teacher professor in a small town. And the church was as powerful as it had ever been in history. And this one man was convicted. He read scripture, he saw what the church was doing and he said, I have to speak out against this, and literally risked his life to speak out against it. Um, and so I think studying the Reformation, uh, Luther really embodies this idea, and trusting that God will act according to his will. Sola Christus means by Christ alone. And this always reminds me of the story in the Gospels where Jesus is talking with his disciples about his reputation at the time. And he keeps asking them, who do you say that I am? And I think Sola Christus, along with Sola Scriptura, which is by scripture alone, is a great reminder that if we believe in a personal relationship with Christ, then we're called to, to constantly consider this question of who do you say that I am? And that's not something that should be dictated by the world or necessarily even by the church. Sola Christus reminds us to consider that question, who do you say that I am?
I know those were four. We're going to talk about the fifth one today. But before we journey there, I just want to ask a few questions. Have you been challenged in some way through this series? Or have you learned or had some perspectives change in your own mind as we've journeyed back to the Reformation forward and seen how even these core teachings are with us, are still core today and forever will be? Or have you responded in some way to one of these messages, to one of these solas that might even have been a turning point in your life as you think about scripture and grace and faith in Christ. I pray something has happened along the way. And today we dive into the fifth solo, which to me kind of puts its arms around maybe all of them and ushers us forward into how we are to live. Soli Deo Gloria, to the glory of God alone, or all to the glory of God alone, motivates us in how we are to live this life every day every moment. So I hope you leave here learning something, but even more importantly, perhaps we just need to give God glory this morning and realize that we already have in the songs that we have sung and the giving of ourselves, whether it's through our talents and all the people serving or, or through the letting go of those resources that we know are going to bless hundreds, even thousands or beyond this planet our tithes and offer like we have been glorifying God while we have been here and so I would like to just start right there and if you will indulge me one more time if you would rise to your feet sola scriptura scripture alone like let's just glorify God by the reading of his word by giving him glory by giving his words back to him and we're going to do this in the round and so you are side one not like a round, like that's probably the wrong word, but you're side one, and you're gonna see a little heading that says side one when you see that. You're gonna read the words of Psalm 96 that are there for you, and this is for God. So we're gonna read it with conviction and meaning. You are side two, and you're the middle. Then when it's your time to read, read it with conviction, and if your role is to listen while another section is, is reading, just Take in the words and reflect them back to God and connect your heart and soul with your brothers and sisters who are reading. And we are just going to glorify God. Okay? Side one, are you ready? Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord. Side two. Two. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Revelation 
now all of us. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Wasn't that wonderful? I mean, just glorifying God, sharing his words back to him. There's just something good and right and natural and even powerful when we just give God glory. In fact, we could probably just keep doing that for the rest of our time, and, and that would be enough. That would be amazing. Except I have like eight more pages of notes. <laughs> so we're going to press on a little bit. You know, this whole idea of glory to God alone, it, it is really messed with me, especially since I have been back from sabbatical. The time away was refreshing in many ways, but it was a good time of just healing my soul, tending to my soul in, in some ways. And, and I realized this, this um, motivation to just glorify God with all that I am, all that he's given me, all that the opportunities I have every single day, um, it stirred me, and then I came back to Chicagoland. And we have these crazy drivers here, and the phone never stops lighting up, you know, and, and I would tell Swan, I now refer to her as like, you people, because I've like risen above. Um, but it's been, I can, I, it's just been a challenge. It's been hard to stay in that zone, and we'll share a little bit more about that. But it's created this good, holy tension in me that says, Keep fighting for that good. Live, do everything for the glory of God alone. And, I, and I, I'm on a journey to continue to learn how to do that. <clears throat> Before we go deeper, I think it might be good for us just to say, what do we mean when we talk about the glory of God? Because if you look at the scriptures in the Old Testament, New Testament, this phrase, glory to God, or all to the glory of God, shows up everywhere. And it's kind of a hard thing to articulate because sometimes it's referring to God. Sometimes it's referring how we need to respond to God. Sometimes it's about a, a quality of God or how God speaks out to us. And other times it's, it's talking about the motivation or the posture for how we're supposed to live life. And, and just in some reading and research, I was trying to say, how do we, in a concise way, just have some handles for this? And one of the articles I read um, gave an analogy that I thought was helpful. So the glory of God is like trying to define the word beauty versus something more simple like a baseball. Ben, can I borrow you for a second? Come up here, buddy. Just hold this up so people can see. He's a baseball player, that's why I'm inviting him. If someone said, what is a baseball, you could probably describe that, couldn't you? Like we could describe its size and its color and its stitches. We could talk about how it's used, you throw it and hit it and catch it, and you could describe the game of baseball, and, and people could start getting a picture of what a baseball is, couldn't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why don't you hold on to that? I need it back, though. It's not like a foul ball after at the Cubs game. <laughs> but, you know, beauty is different. If someone said, what is beauty, um, all of a sudden you realize that encompasses something so much more. Whether you're referring to people or to creation or a, or a magnificent piece of artwork. Like in a, in a piece of art, it's, there's face value and just the beauty of that, but then there's stories attached to it. There's the life of the artist himself. 
and what motivated the painting. There's the context it sits in. There's the stories of how people have responded and how it's moved them. Beauty is, is so much more than a baseball. And I think the glory of God is kind of like that. It, it, it describes so much of who God is. It's his character. It's his holiness. It's, it's how he shouts out over creation. And, and one of the definitions I came across, I think, was helpful, at least for me. It said, the glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness. The infinite beauty, infinite greatness, beyond anything that we could even describe as beautiful here. That's his manifold perfections. It's all of it together. Um, that was helpful for me. The, the infinite beauty and greatness of his manifold, all of his perfections wrapped up in one. And, and I realized that the glory of God always demands a response. Because of its infinite beauty and greatness, when it touches our lives, we have to respond in some way, either moving towards it or ascribing that glory back or <clears throat> fighting it away or pushing it off. But, but make no mistake, it, it's not neutral. You just can't simply move past it because the glory of God is, is infinite. It's, it's, wow. And so as I reflect on that, I just, well, well how am I supposed to respond? How are we supposed to or, or should we respond to the glory of God? And, and as I reflected on that, like there was a desire. Something just kept welling up in me, moving me in a particular direction and, and motivate, it was desire. It was desire to move towards God, but it was a desire to, to simply just give him glory because he's glorious, infinite beauty and in all that I say and do, I wanted to just say, God, may you be glorified. Scripture articulates this well, I, I, there's a compilation of scriptures, and I'm just going to read them. You can follow along. But just listen to the very words, sola scriptura. Whether then you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak, as it were, the very words of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever. He has made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and, and the dominion forever and ever. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Infinite beauty and greatness in his manifold perfections. You can see how an orientation of soli deo gloria, all for the glory of God, when it touches a life and it starts to spread into people, you could see what that would have made, the difference it would have made for the reformers and to what led to the, the whole Protestant movement because everything changed in their world when they grabbed hold of soli deo gloria. The Protestant work ethic, you've heard of that phrase before, grew up out of this core sola because now everything had dignity. 
whoever you were, whatever you did, any kind of work, uh, any kind of role, every way you served, however you used your gifts had dignity and it mattered because it was all for the glory of God from the least to the greatest. It's almost as if those categories were pushed to a side and God alone was in focus. It was to him be the glory. And the ordinary days, the dailiness of life, the ordinary all of a sudden got transformed into the extraordinary. Every single day, every single moment because it was solely Deo Gloria. I had to ask myself and I continue to ask and I'll ask you, do you need to recover or discover, rediscover or recalibrate your life around solely Deo Gloria? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all, everything, for the glory of God. As I said, I confess I'm on a journey to live more and more out of that posture of life. Um, but I mess it up. I drift, I get distracted, perhaps I move to one side or the other, and I need to recalibrate, I need to reorient myself back to this core foundational truth that I am here for one purpose, to give God glory through my life, that his will may be done on earth as it is, always is being done in heaven. And so, we get tripped up, mixed up, we need to remind ourselves that uh, we need to come back to this center. And there's, this, there's a story in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 14. And it's kind of a crazy story, one that maybe we've read by, but Barnabas and Paul are traveling around all of these Greek cities and they're planting churches and they're proclaiming the gospel and they heal a guy. <clears throat> and the town goes crazy excited over it. And so they say that the people say the gods have come down to earth, and they start calling Barnabas Zeus, and they start calling Paul Hermes because he was the, the chief spokesperson, and they even went as far as they were getting ready to start sacrificing animals to Barnabas and Paul because they had believed something great had happened. It's kind of, when I saw the movie Gladiator, I was so inspired. I wanted my family and close friends to call me Maximus, at least just for a <laughs> period of time, and it didn't stick. I don't get it. But then I try to think, but could you imagine like sac making sac people actually thinking you're a god and making sacrifices like that's that's such an extreme example but that story finishes with Barnabas and Paul tearing their clothes that's how they protested back then and running out and saying we are just men give glory to God for all that has happened and and it reminded me that you know in our journey we we do like praise. There's times when even if we're not giving God the glory alone, then that glory perhaps is being directed back to us or we hold on to that a little bit. We, we can unintentionally rob God of the glory that's due him and due him alone. <clears throat> and so there are just a few ways that I would commend to you that maybe we could um, say, you know what? Our chief motivation is to glorify God. And I don't want to rob God of any glory. So here are a few things that Perhaps you could apply even in your own life. First, realize that all the gifts that you've been given, all the capabilities, uh, whether it's skills or talents or influence, it is all from God. We know that. We say that. But to realize every moment of their day, when you're using those gifts, it, it, it's like a thank you performance back to God. It's giving God the glory because he alone has given them to you. 
And when we're using those at our best, it glorifies him and we are about building up of the church in his kingdom, helping people flourish here on earth. A couple days ago, I was reading in a a prayer journal that I've been using for probably the last year, Um, but it had this paragraph in, in one of the prayers and I'd just like to share it with you. It says, let me give back into your hands, Lord, all that you have given me, rededicating to your service all I can do with my mind and body, all my possessions, all my influence with others. All these are yours to use as you want, Father. All these are yours, Christ Jesus. All these are yours, Holy Spirit. Oh, my Lord, speak in my words today. Think in my thoughts and work in all my actions. Thank you that it is your gracious will to make use of me even at my weakest, to fulfill your mighty purpose for the world. Let my life be a channel through which at least a little of your love and compassion may reach the lives of those around me. Soli Deo Gloria. Sue Ann and I were on staff with Athletes in Action. It's a sports ministry that works with college and professional athletes. And, and um, we had five principles, we called them in the ministry, that applied to not just competition and sport, but to life. Um, It it was core part of our discipleship. And one of those was called audience of one. That we play, we live our life for an audience of one, God alone. And if that is our chief motivation, it doesn't matter the score. It doesn't matter the circumstances in life. It doesn't matter the calls that are made on the field or the court. It doesn't matter how good or bad the other team is. No one will outcompete us. We may not win every game but we play and live for the glory of God alone. And so, I mean, that just fueled us. It transformed the spirit of the team and how we played. And so it's easy to apply that on the sports field, but then when we start thinking, then how do we off the field or off the court in the dailiness of life when we're driving home, when we're getting up, when we're worshiping with our our friends and family, when we're about our other work, can we continue to do it all for that audience of one? And we knew we would need help doing that. And so a focal point was, a, was another key word for us that we needed things to draw us back to remind us that we were solely for God alone, giving him glory with our life. And many, many years ago, when I had the privilege of playing baseball, my focal point, this is one of my game bats, that's the knob of this bat right there, on all my bats, and on my glove, I would put this little, the symbol of the cross with Cam, that was my nickname, underneath it. But it was a reminder every single day that I have play, that, that my life is under the authority of the cross, under Jesus. I needed to be called back to that over and over and over again. And so part of it was my witness. Part of it was also not such a great witness. When this bat would strike out, it did not honor God all the time. <laughs> of where it traveled or what it did after I got back to the dugout. Ben, can you hold on to this too for me? Thank you. Um, but what is it in your life? What, think about your day, the rhythm of your day. Are there, th- are there ways to bring you back, to remind you, to pull you back to say, God, what I'm about to do or where I am right now, this is all for your glory. When, we're re- when, when that becomes our focus, uh, it begins to transform the ordinary becomes extraordinary in our days the second thing i would encourage you to do is is read the scriptures this book is living and active 
sola scriptura, scripture alone is our chief authority. It's hard for this, the words of this book, or app, I suppose, uh, to get, to work through your life, to get expressed through your life, for God to get glory through all that he has given us in this book if it is not in us. And so I would just say, read it. Read it often. Reflect on what you read because when these words are in you, God will be glorified because it'll start. You'll, Psalm 96 that we just read, read it this week. There's four different ways to glorify God in that psalm. Search for them, see them, um, and how we can sing and ascribe and, and glorify God in this world. Read the scriptures. Third, um, as you have opportunity, share your story of what God is doing in your life. It doesn't have to be some crazy, you know, 30-minute message. It could just simply be, wow, you know what? I was reading a verse just on the glory of God, and, and God just said, today, whatever you think, whatever you do, give me glory. You could tell a friend that and just say, it, it, it's recolored everything about my day. That would take 30 seconds. And that friend may go, wow, one verse did that? Like, maybe I need to... What, what, what verse was that? You know, it may spur them on to read it because when we don't share our stories of what God is doing in our life, we are actually uh, robbing him of the glory of his work in this world and in you, the love of his life. And the real loser, I think, are those whose lives might have been touched or changed because uh, uh, God was using us as a conduit for his glory to to move beyond us and to touch another life. I was, um, a few years ago, having a particularly bad round of golf, like worse than usual, and I was playing with um, a, f a friend from here, uh, but then we got paired up with two other men, and I was having one of those days where I wanted to take my golf club and swing it like a baseball bat and just hit my golf back. It was like one of those kind of, <laughs> you're, I'm probably tipping my hat to maybe some other issues in my life, but anyway. <laughs> But I'm playing with one of our congregation members, right? I'm this pastor. I'm trying to hold it together to not like embarrass myself or hurt anyone else on the golf course. And uh, about the ninth hole, the guy goes, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> <laughs> and I, could, I can still feel the moment. I can still feel the moment. And I took the wrong road. I said, well, I said, I do... I uh, kind of do life coaching and leadership development in a <laughs> nonprofit organization. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty brilliant, because that is kind of what a pastor does. And thankfully, he didn't say which organization, because then I really would have been in trouble, and I finished a miserable round. But those next nine holes, and even to this day, uh, I kicked myself because I just said, how hard would it have been? I mean, a silly game like golf, push that aside, and say, you know, I'm a pastor at a local church, um, and it is the greatest joy of my life, just to love God and love others and see people flourish. Uh, you, should, you should, if you don't have it, come, come sometime, or I'd love to connect for a cup of coffee. I can share more of that story. Like, that would have been so easy to do, and it, who knows where that would have led in the life of this man and maybe his friend, um, but I didn't give God glory. I was too wrapped up in myself to just say, this is all for the glory of God. Share your stories. And then last, I would say, whatever you do, do not neglect the one and only life and soul that God has given you. 
he loves you, loves me, loves you so much that he would actually not just come into our world, but that he would come into your life. This infinite beauty and greatness has not just touched you, but lives in you. And so that calls us to be a steward of this life. And this is what has been so hard being back, uh, I think, because on the mountaintop, it's a little easy, literally, watching the sun come up over Pikes Peak and Mount Princeton. Like, that's, it's easy to glorify God there. Um, but I realized the violence I had been doing to my own soul with the pace that I had been moving, with the anxiety and stress that I carry, never coming down, always being on, even until the last thing I would do before bed is go back through email again and send stuff. And, and that pace of life um, was just withering me away. And God says, I, I don't want you to merely survive this world, even in the name of church work, because I want you to thrive. I want you to flourish. This is why we're going to do this amazing series and just uh, uh, that's getting ready to begin because that is God's intention for our life. Jesus says, I've come that you would have life and have it to a f- the full, this abundant life with him. And, and it starts with how we take care of our own souls. We believe in spiritual practices here at Christ Church, spiritual disciplines. And you've heard us talk about those at different times. They're, they're simply just ways, kind of like focal points, to draw us back to God, to put us in a posture to, to hear from God or learn from God or to, to put some good rhythms, healthy rhythms that attend to our soul. That's what spiritual practices are. And one of those is called the examine. You've ever heard us talk about the examine before? Well, I'm going to describe it to you, so don't worry. Uh, the examine, it... it is pow- at least it's been powerful in my life, and it's pretty simple. You basically hit the rewind button. Remember when we had rewind buttons like on the VCR? But you just kind of back up your day or your week, and you play it forward again, and you can ask yourself this question. Where did God receive glory? Where did I glorify God in my life today or yesterday or this past week? And there will be things that come to mind where you realize, wow, it was God. This was all for your glory. And you were aware of it. And so you just thank him and praise him and give him glory for those moments. But the other thing that's going to happen is you're going to realize or probably see many episodes of your life where maybe you totally had forgotten about God or kind of like that golf match. You were holding on to something for yourself and not giving God that glory. Those are great. You just confess that. Lord, I'm sorry. I totally missed an opportunity to give you glory through my story. God, forgive me. And then as you make those confessions, you come out of the examine time by, again, just glorifying God. Maybe it's reading Psalm 96. It's just saying, God, to you alone, may all of it, may everything I do and say be for your glory this day, tomorrow, and forevermore. (laughs) And as you practice the examine, if you would commit to this even this week, Do this exercise, sunny yourself, ask yourself that question, confess what you need to confess. You will begin seeing your days become being transformed because a different uh, 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 orientation of your life is, you're gonna start operating from a different place and you're gonna start recognizing and seeing things that you never saw before and you're gonna start moving into a soli deo gloria kind of life more and more and more uh, and it'll be a great adventure. We started this sermon series five weeks ago, 
And Dan Meyer shared another uh, phrase with us. It was semper reformata, always reforming, always reforming, or we would say always reforming. The prophet Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live, thrive, flourish, have an abundant life in this place, meaning where you are right now. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you flourish where you are right now. But it takes us uh, to the very question of will we be reformed? And will we always commit ourselves to that journey of being formed more and more to be like Christ for the sake of others? And so as we wrap up this series and this time, think about what could your life look like if you committed yourself to the solas, these core teachings of the reformers, of scripture alone, of faith alone, of grace alone, of Christ alone, and doing it all, everything, for the glory of God alone. As we leave here, let us not be guilty of forgetting the past and the roots that our faith has been built upon. Let us not be guilty of not understanding where we are right now and the opportunity we have to be formed in Christ and let us set our hopes and our sights looking ahead, motivated to live solely Deo Gloria. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father, we stand in awe of your love and grace in our lives, of Jesus Christ, of the gift of faith you have given us of your word and God wrapping it all around a life's goal to give you and you alone glory. God, may that penetrate our hearts, our lives, our souls. God, may it be the motivation to simply give you glory in all that we do and say this day and tomorrow and forevermore. Amen.